and this is also one of the things I think I can't remember which book talked about this, but like letting your partners like make their own mistakes at times and, you know, letting them like take responsibility for their own feelings and not trying to make people feel secure because you can't make other people like feel anything. Um, and trying to make people feel secure can actually like backfire at times. Um, so just practicing, you know, letting things, letting things be as they may be. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 192. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a super fun interview with Jacob. He's actually just about to be 22 in August, so happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy early birthday. (laughs) Well, we don't know when in August his birthday is, so... Well... (laughs) I guess we're taking a pretty good chance that it wasn't yesterday or the day before. That's true. Or the day before that. that. (laughs) Also, super important today, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Now, this is our real anniversary. Our real anniversary. When we got married nine years ago today. Yes. And so we're taking today off. We recorded this yesterday. (laughs) We did. And we are planning to play mini golf all day long and eat ice cream and drink hard cider. Yep. That's going to be our anniversary. And we're really, really, really excited. So if you send us an email, we'll probably respond. (laughs) On Thursday. (laughs) Or we might be drunk and high on ice cream and winning. And mini golf. And mini golf. (laughs) And maybe some (laughs) go-karts. Oh, this is new. (laughs) Well, surprise. We'll have fun. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to have a low-key but fun Actually, that's not that low-key. Doesn't sound low-key. That sounds pretty wild for us. Yeah, it's going to be wild for us. <laughs> so <laughs> We're going to any- have a fun anniversary celebration, and we just hijacked the entire intro here to talk about our anniversary. <laughs> that's all right. But back to Jacob. <laughs> Thank you, Jacob, for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, it's a great look at somebody who's, as Emma said, just turning 22, so younger than a lot of our guests, which is amazing, and we're excited to start getting a different look at it. And also, Jacob is transmasculine, non-binary, and has had a handful of different relationship styles. And it's just a really exciting conversation. It's really fun. So again, thank you, Jacob, for coming on, sharing your story, and being here. Also, anybody who heard me say he was non-binary and then use he, him pronouns. We confirm this. We confirm this (laughs) is what he prefers. So uh, thank you for your concern. It was a concern of ours as well. (laughs) All right. Now a few quick announcements, although we're going to keep them really short today. So our next virtual meet and greet is not announced yet, but we will have that date very soon. So stay tuned. After our anniversary. (laughs) After our anniversary. (laughs) But before the next anniversary. (laughs) Yes. Those will be coming back very soon. So stay tuned. We promise to have that information out to you as soon as we can. Also for Patreon, a huge thank you to everyone as part of our Patreon community. We've had a few new people or actually quite a few new people sign up lately and we couldn't be more thankful for all of you. If you're looking for a place to have community and find like-minded people to chat with, just have fun with, please check it out. We have a MeWe chat. We have monthly Q&As. We have a men's and women's group. So we would love 
love to have you. Uh, if you're interested at all, please go check out our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Patreon button. Really, one quick note on that as well. We don't have any of the dates for the August meet and greet, or the August, well, we don't have the August meet and greet either. The August Q&A or men's and women's calls posted yet. They'll be coming out in the next couple of days, and we will announce all that next week. Yes. One other last final thing we wanted to mention before we get into the episode is just a really quick shout out to uh, one of our favorite places in the world, stdcheck.com. <laughs> like, yes, one of our favorite, our favorite places in the besides, world. Besides mini golf and, and ice cream. And hard cider. And hard cider. <laughs> it's ST, but Maybe we'll do that tomorrow too. You know why? Because we don't even have to make an appointment. Right, we, we just don't. We just sign up online. We show up at uh, LabCorp or Quest. It takes about 10 minutes. We give them all of the bodily fluids they want. And the next day we get a text message with our results. Yep. And it costs just like 10 ice creams. <laughs> not even. <laughs> it's like maybe. Not, with a, no, no, not anymore. Ice cream ice cream's ice, expensive. Ice cream's expensive. So it's like $130 for a 10-panel test. And if you use the links on our website, it supports the show so we can buy more ice cream and you save $10. Yes. So thank you in advance for doing that. We greatly appreciate it. And we highly encourage you to get tested, know your status, and talk about it with all of your potential and existing partners. Yes. Couldn't have said it better. I know. And go to our website. Yes. Normalizingnonmonogamy.com. There's podcast show notes there. There's like Finn said links to the STD check. There are um, links to Patreon and contact us. We have links there to send us an email or send us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. And while we will not reply today when this episode airs, we will reply in the very near future. <laughs> we, we reply to every email. We do. And we so do. to find those STD check links really quick, that's under the resources tab or in the podcast show notes of your podcast player. There is a direct link. And I think that's everything we needed to say today until the outro. Happy anniversary, Emma. Happy anniversary. Let's have a good conversation with Jacob. Okay, let's go. Welcome, Jacob, to the show. We're excited to have you here this morning. And well, actually, technically, I think it's afternoon for you since you're <laughs> it's our morning. It's our morning. We can be self self absorbed. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So well. Myself? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. We'd love to hear a little more about you. Uh, we got a little bit in the email, but yeah, uh, tell us who Jacob is. Yeah. So I'm Jacob. I am. 21. I'll be 22 in August. Um, graduated from college about a couple weeks ago. And I've been with my partner, Sam, for about three and a half years now. And I identify as polyamorous, but I tend to use the label non-monogamous when talking with other people, just because I found that there are some connotations with polyamorous that aren't necessarily negative, but don't really describe um, our relationship setup right now. Um, for example, I tend that when I use that term, people think that we're dating multiple people, but like always together. Um, and that's not really the case right now. Yeah. Well, what does it, I guess, what does the dynamic look like? Yeah. So um, Sam and I have been together for about three and a half years. So we met when we were 18. We met on Tinder. He super <laughs> liked me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I liked him back. And um, it actually turned out that we had... Um, we lived really close to each other. We um, actually went to high school in the same school district and had a couple of mutual friends, but never met that way. Um, but afterwards, we figured out that we had almost met a couple times. So I went. We met when I was a in my first semester in college, and I went to college about forty minutes away from my hometown. 
So I ended up driving back and forth and he drove back and forth. Um, so it was now I called it like I called it medium distance at first. <laughs> because <laughs> it, it wasn't long distance by any terms, but we were really seeing each other like, you know, tw- once or twice a week. So for a while that felt a little bit further away. And then in 20, so we met in 2017 and then 2019, I forget if it was February 2018 or 2019, but he got his first apartment and it was like a one bedroom, 800 square foot. It was a good, it was a good like starter apartment where he lived there full time and I would come and visit him on the weekends there. I had my cat Pebble with me, so I couldn't come that often. Um, so yeah, so that kept Sam mostly coming to visit me because I didn't want, I had the cat with me at school and didn't want to you know, be moving her back and forth too much. And then in think about like September 2019 when we had been together for about two years I decided to talk to him about you know maybe exploring polyamory or non-monogamy and at that point for me it was because I wanted to um, explore a bit more sexually because he was really my first you know real boyfriend and he was the first person I'd really been sexual with and I you know it was I kind of framed it as like hey I love you so much like at that point we had even though we were like had only been together a couple of years. We definitely saw each other being like really long-term partners and we're really on the same page about that. And I was kind of thinking like, this is great, but like, if this is the only person I ever get to have sex with. That would be just a little bit, not sad, but like, I don't know. I feel like I'd be missing out on some of life's experiences, I guess. And he was pretty down with that because he had had um, more partners than I had had. And he had actually like, you know, dated people in high school and stuff. Um, Cause I grew up, in a pretty pretty liberal area, um, but being you know being one of the very few out queer people in school and being trans and not really out to myself yet, it was just kind of awkward and I didn't really have those like typical like high school relationships, mm-hmm. um, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think it'd be wonderful if you were willing to talk a little more about that journey, mm-hmm. right? Like coming through high school and transitioning and. Like, what did that, I guess, what did that timeline look like and how did that impact, like, your relationships and dating and all of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I realized that I was not cis when I was, like, 14, but I didn't admit to myself that that meant I was trans until I was, like, 15 or so. Um, and then I decided, like, so I'm, yeah, so I identify as transmasculine, so assigned female at birth, um, transitioned to male. I don't really identify as a man, so I guess, like, non-binary but like the gender sliders like closer to male (laughs) um yeah that's fair (laughs) yeah so then I was at 15 I was like crap I guess I'm a dude but I'm like not gonna do anything about it because that would just be like you know it would be really hard to come out and everything and by the time I was 17 I was like I gotta do something about this this is getting really really hard so I came out to my parents and they were luckily they were really they were really cool about it um they were a little bit hesitant at first but um they let me start tea, you know, by the time I was like one month out from turning 18 and I got top surgery um, a couple months after I turned 18. So I met Sam when I was about three months on tea. So at that point, I had come out socially to most people in my life and I still didn't really pass as male. So I but um, I think that I still gave off very like trans guy vibes, I guess, <laughs> um, early on. So, yeah, so we met I met Sam when I I was pretty early in my transition, but I felt like I'd gone through a lot of the, like, you know, the early phases of just, like, the social transitions also a pretty big deal. 
yeah, so I was I was kind of glad that I met him at that point so that he didn't have to like, you know, unlearn my old name or like, you know, really like get used to like a new set of pronouns. So he really met me after I started, you know, going by Jacob and identifying as male. So I think that was easier in that regard. He was really super supportive the whole way through, um, which was awesome. And I think that um, it did make dating a little bit harder, I guess. But and I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of liked Tinder is because, you know, I could put it in my bio and people could either, you know, kind of self-select in or out of that. And I think that, you know, and you do get the occasional, like, chaser, but you can also kind of sort that out also. So I feel like I had a smaller dating pool, but the people who were liking me were more cool in the first place, I guess. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you sharing. I think mm-hmm. one thing you said in there that I would maybe, again, love to hear more about is you said that the the social transition was as big of a deal or maybe more than the like physical transition that you went through. And I, I'd maybe love to hear more about that. Yeah, so I think it's just, it's... Like like I said earlier, I grew up in a like pretty liberal area, and I knew I knew people would be cool with it, but it's still like hard to say it. And I found that for myself, like getting misgendered by people who knew I was trans, even like accidentally, actually like hurt more than getting misgendered by people who I like didn't have a relationship with or who didn't know. Because like you know, if I don't tell anybody, then like they can't possibly know they're misgendering me because I haven't said otherwise. And so then. Once I came, but then I also, you know, eventually came out because I was like, well, if I don't tell people my pronouns, they're never going to gender me correctly. So I I came out kind of like, and I started pretty small and then got bigger and bigger. Um, So I came out to like a few close friends and then like a couple of my teachers and then like had a couple days where in some of my class, like one of my classes, I like literally like stood up. I was like, hey, y'all, I'm trans. Please call me Jacob and you see your pronouns for me. And they're all like, cool. And some other classes who I didn't really interact with other people i didn't really um, make a big deal of it but actually ended up coming out publicly like probably like a month before i graduated high school so like i probably could have made it all the way through but you know i just i was really i was really ready to be out i think um and it was nice to like hear my correct name at graduation and stuff like that and so i think that um going to college from there definitely was a lot it was a lot easier to kind of like establish like a new identity because you know you're coming to a new school people from all over you don't know many people they don't really know your past and stuff yeah it was really it was nice to just be able to kind of like go to college and like start over <laughs> yeah you get to reinvent yourself almost yeah, in exactly. that, that new opportunity mm-hmm. for sure yeah i just wanted to maybe just build on like i know that that was a super difficult like couple of year period and i think just to like acknowledge that like, and you, you had pretty much the support of your parents behind you. And I just like, mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. But it's also just important to remember that like, even with that, it was still difficult. Um, yeah. For and sure. so, yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing that. I know yeah. it's probably not an easy story to maybe relive at times. So we yeah, it's fine. That. Um, big shout out to the, um, pediatric gender clinic at Duke university. They're like, I don't think they're like, they're definitely the only one in North Carolina. I'm not sure how many else there are in the country, honestly, but they like, you know, help people under 18 transition and they are all super awesome social worker. They are much sure still there. Kristen, uh, she's really great. So big thanks. I mean, my parents were supportive, but I also still had to find a healthcare provider who was willing to help somebody, you know, who was younger transition. So big shout out to them because they're all super awesome over there. That's amazing. Like, thank you for shouting that out because it like the more resources we can put out there too, that for to help other people are uh, the, uh, yeah, we want to do that as much as possible. So thank you for mm-hmm. shouting that out. And I'm so glad that you were able to find that. Like, 
yes, you said it was, you know, challenging, of course, but like you, you were able to find um, the resources and the people to help. Yeah, definitely very mm-hmm. lucky. And and so when you got to college, you and Sam were together at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had I hadn't met him yet. Actually, it's sometimes I think about like we came so close to like not meeting, and I wonder how different my life would be because like I matched with him on Tinder when I was in our hometown for like three days for fall break. Um, so I, I've sometimes I think about like if I hadn't been on Tinder like that Wednesday, like I would be living with somebody else now probably. Um, right. Life would be very different. But I'm really glad we met. <laughs> yeah. No. And I think I think I miss maybe I misspoke that that mm-hmm. you you hadn't met Correct. him until you got to college and mm-hmm. then and now you're reinventing yourself. You're you have a new partner and you're going to start exploring polyamory. I think those are like a lot of huge changes all at once. And yeah, totally. How, how did it go when you and Sam decided to start, like you said, you brought it up. Um, mm-hmm. like how did those conversations go and like, how yeah. did it progress? So I think that, um, I, so like most of the queer identities, um, I've learned about in my life, um, actually probably first learned about polyamory through Tumblr when I was like 15 <laughs> or 16. Um, and I kind of thought it, my, my perception of it at that time was that like, Basically, um, it's the same as monogamy, but it's three people instead of two, which um, for some people it is, but like most people are probably not in a closed, um, you know, uh, dedicated triad, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But my kind of perception of that was that like, yeah, this is like a thing people do, but they kind of just like end up falling into it. Like, it's not like a thing that people go out and choose to be. Um, And I think I might have got the message because, you know, a lot of the messaging about sexuality that I received growing up, which I think is a lot better messaging than we got in the past, is that sexuality in general is not a choice. Um, And I think that polyamory, like that orientation is true. Like I think some people are more polyamorously like oriented than like monogamously oriented, but also I think polyamory is different from sexuality in the fact, or like non-monogamy at least is different in sexuality. Is like, is that you can kind of like, you know, have a conversation and sit down and say like, Hey, like, do you want to be monogamous or not? Versus like, you can't sit down and say like, Hey, do you want to be like a gay couple or like a straight, you know, it's like, it's not that same like Mm -hmm. level, I guess. I think I first talked with Sam about non-monogamy in like fall of 2019. So we'd been together for about two years at that point. So um, we'd been together for a while and he was the only person I'd really been with and I loved him and I still love him. Super great. But I did, I did notice I was starting to have some attraction um, for my friend um, Isaac. And at first, um, it was something I was like, I'm just like never going to act on this because I love Sam and we're together and we're going to be together. And like, I don't want to jeopardize that relationship. And then I know it's like over the months, like those feelings didn't really go away. So I started kind of Googling like help, like I'm in a relationship and I'm attracted to somebody else. And then I ended up finding some stories about people who had like successfully done polyamory or non-monogamy. And I was like, I wonder if this could like, you know, be an option for us. And because I'd also known that Sam had had more, you know, sexual partners than I had had. And not like a ton, but, you know, he had like a couple girlfriends in high school, which I feel like is more of like the standard or whatever. And he identifies as um, pan and we consider ourselves a pretty gay couple because it's, you know, fellas is a gay for two guys to be in love. Um, <laughs> I'm joking question whenever, because I think for some some people just can't wrap their head around like, you know, trans people being in a relationship. Like, what is it? Like, is mm-hmm. it gay or straight based on their assigned gender or assigned sex at birth? But like, yeah, we are gay. Um, sorry. What was I? I was saying, yeah. So I, I was um, 
I talked with Sam about it and I was like, hey, like, I kind of want to bang our friend Isaac, like, because <laughs> um, they had been friends since, like, middle school and I had been, I, they were part of, like, a group of friends we lovingly referred to as, like, the boys with a Z, who um, Sam has been friends with that, most of them, like, all his life, like, they were in, like, you know, preschool playgroup together, they grew up in the same neighborhood, um, so they were all like really close and I kind of also joined that friend group by proxy when we started dating, but then eventually like developed more individual relationships um, with them kind of separately of Sam after a few years, which I feel like is, you know, pretty yeah. common. And so this was kind of a hard conversation to have at first because I knew that I knew that, you know, Sam and Isaac were really close friends and I wasn't really sure how Sam was going to react to me saying like, hey, I find our friend really attractive. And I also wasn't really sure how... Um, Isaac was going to react to it either, but I definitely wanted to have that conversation with Sam first. So we talked about it and he's like, yeah. And he, I think, um, I think I brought it up with him and he was like, let me go on a motorcycle ride and think about it. Cause that's kind of his, um, like meditative thing is he, he loves motorcycle riding and I've gotten into it with him too, but that's like his thing. So he wanted to ride. And I was kind of just like waiting at home, like, gosh, like what's he going to say? And he's like, yeah, I thought about it. And yeah, I think it's, I super understand why you would want to have like more sexual experiences. And um, like, I've actually also been having some feelings about your roommate, Jamie, that I haven't really been acting on. So we kind of were kind of, it was kind of, it kind of felt like almost an exchange at first where it's like, okay, like I'll have sex with our friend and you'll have sex with like my friend, <laughs> I'm baby, I guess. <laughs> so I actually, um, and then I, I did end up hanging out with Isaac more and we talked about it and he was like, yeah, okay. And we actually did end up having sex once. And that was, um, that was pretty cool. Cause I think it was the first time where I had been attracted to somebody I had like known for a while and who was kind of like organically also attracted back to me. Cause like, I think Sam and I also had really good chemistry, but you know, matching on Tinder is like, it's a different context than just like meeting somebody and kind of like developing feelings for them for like, you know, a longer time. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, but then shortly after that, he started seeing somebody. And so he was, uh, Isaac started seeing somebody else. He was like, I'm going to be monogamous with them. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I got our, you know, I got my experience out of it. Um, and we're still really good friends to this day. And that friend group is still together, which is really cool. And yeah, so, so Sam was pursuing my roommate, Jamie, and that one was a little bit harder for me to parse because I think he he was also romantically interested in her, which is like all fine and good. And I think now we're actually in a more of like, I would call us like unofficial relationship anarchists, <laughs> I guess. But at the time, I think that being less educated on polyamory, we were kind of going, going about it like, okay, like, you know, we'll both make sure like both of us are okay with everything and we'll you know, try to have sex and not develop feelings. That's not really how it always works out, I think. So, and I think at that point it was hard because um, I really, so at that point I did start doing like more like actual research and I read more than two and Tales from the Polycule, which I feel like are kind of like standard, like beginner books. <laughs> um, but I really liked the parts of more than two about how, um, you know, that everyone has their own agency, including the people who you are, um, also doing other things with because i think that a lot of um i think maybe not so now but i think a couple of years ago like a lot of non-monogamy primer stuff are really aimed at like couples opening up and it's really focused on like okay like make sure like a and b are okay and like but not really focusing so much on like you know how's c doing like how are they feeling about these things 
And I think that it's, I'm glad now that I think there's more of a focus on like making sure that everybody's agency is intact is really important um, and consent and like, yeah, because those are some good things. Um, but so yeah, at that point, I was reading those things and I was like, okay, like, yeah, I understand that everyone should have in the relationship should ideally have their own agency. And like, I know that Sam and Jamie having sex and dating like doesn't actually affect me, but it still felt kind of hard at that point. And they actually didn't really end up doing all that much. I think they hooked up like once and then Jamie started dating another guy that she worked with. Um, and that was kind of hard for Sam. And I, that was also an interesting a learning experience for me because I, I, I'd known Jamie for a couple of years at that point and she's my close friend and still one of my closest friends. But I, from her past relationships, I kind of knew that she wasn't like the best at communication or prioritizing other people's feelings. And so I kind of told Sam like, Hey, like, you know, you can do this, but like, just, and like, I don't, this isn't me trying to meddle, but I'm just going to warn you that like, you know, Jamie isn't always the most like she, she means well, but she doesn't always have like the best like outcomes, I guess, for people. And so she did end up kind of like end up ghosting him after they hooked up. And I think that was really hard for him. Um, but it was also a good exercise and, you know, me not saying like, I told you so, but just, um, <laughs> and this is also one of the things I think I can't remember which bug talked about this, but like letting your partners like make their own mistakes at times and, you know, letting them like, take responsibility for their own feelings and not trying to make people feel secure because you can't make other people like feel anything um and trying to make people feel secure can actually like backfire at times um so just practicing you know letting things letting things be as they may be mm-hmm. which is super hard especially mm-hmm. when like you you saw like you knew Sam well and you knew Jamie well right and you saw the writing on the wall but you also <laughs> have to like let it play out yeah take a step back mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and I think um one thing I wasn't as prepared for is that you know I was really um uh I think a lot of people who are just starting polyamory like I think a, a common advice is like you know make sure your relationship stable ahead of time like if your relation like if you're romantic and this is implying romantic relationship like if you're having relationship problems like adding more people to the dynamic is not going to like fix anything which I do agree with and I think one thing I wasn't ready for is that I felt really jealous not of Jamie because she was getting attention from Sam but I actually felt pretty jealous of Sam because he was getting more attention from Jamie than I felt I was getting as a friend at the time and I think that I was really insecure in my um, friendship with her and didn't really realize that. Um, so I was also working on those feelings of like, try, and it was something I hadn't expected because, you know, I was, I was more like, you know, ready for the typical things of like, you know, it's, it's common to feel jealousy when your partner goes on a first date. And this is something you'll get more used to over time. And which I do think is true, but I think it was kind of hard incorporating or seeing my partner do stuff with my friends that I wasn't really getting from my friends. And Mm -hmm. that jealousy was kind of a surprise to me, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a different, a different way to look at jealousy too, Mm -hmm. that it's not over your partner. It's over a friendship, but uh, how did you, or how have you navigated through that? Yeah. So I think in that relation, like in that instance, I think it just kind of um, faded away because he and, Jamie kind of stopped seeing each other because Jamie was like kind of not being great about things. And so uh, things just kind of went back to like the status quo, I guess. Or I, I no longer had like an active comparison, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was like, um, 
things were yeah if that had fizzled out it it, kind of ended so you didn't have those but that um yeah that that i guess kind of like friend jealousy did kind of continue to haunt me though because my next um foray into relationships was uh one of my good friends cam who i had met working at my university's um lgbt center who i'd know they were um one year below me and so i was a at the time i was a junior and they were a sophomore but i'd known them since i was a sophomore and they were a first year um and we become like pretty good friends through work but hadn't really hung out like much outside of work um, ex- aside from like sending each other like occasional memes and stuff, but I did I did consider them a good friend, and I think um, we were pretty bonded over having similar experiences of you know growing up in places where we were kind of like the only openly queer people, and both we both grew up like experiencing pretty bad mental illnesses at a young age that we'd both definitely gotten like under much better control by the time we got to college but you know like depression like never like goes away which is pretty unfortunate so we had bonded a lot over those things and um i kind of mentioned them like hey like you know sam and i are like non-monogamous now and we were kind of like flirting back and forth with each other for a while and um at one point i was like i can't like i'm 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 not the best at reading social signals sometimes so i was like are you flirting with me and they're like yeah and i'm like that's cool i'm flirting with you too so that was kind of a fun like thing and so cam and i were like not like dating but we were starting to like hang out more i guess um in that context and i guess you would call it dating but more in like the high school sense of dating i guess where there's not really like particular expectations but you know, we were watching movies at each other's place and like making out and all that stuff. And then one weekend, um, Sam came to visit and the three of us were hanging out and we kind of like, not, we kind of like impromptu and like they had met a couple times before, but hadn't really like hung out in the, or like at least not in this context. And so we kind of ended up having a couple like impromptu threesomes, <laughs> which was fun. And like, we definitely like made sure that, you know, everyone was good with everything and we like went you know slower at the start and so then we were kind of found ourselves in like i guess like a i guess you call it like a triad configuration and i think that was it was unexpected and it was it was pretty cool at first and i think like the you know the nre was definitely like super strong and i was like you know this is so cool like i have my partner and this cool new person and we're like all like doing stuff together and i think that in hindsight i I really wish I'd gotten to know, or I really wish I'd worked more on my relationship with Cam individually before we started doing things all three together. Because I think it, then the kind of the next progression from there, um, right? Because of the dynamics, so the dynamic, so the dynamic was a time. So Cam and I went to school together, and then Sam would come and visit like on weekends, and so. Cam and I had a couple of classes together, and so we would see each other during that. We might see each other during work, but then, like, weekend time, they and Sam wanted to hang out, which is, like, totally valid. Um, I think that even within triads, it's important for everyone to be able to um, navigate, you know, negotiate individual time with different partners. And, like, that was that's a value I hold today, and that was a value I still had back then, but it was more like an on paper value i guess because you know that's what like i wanted that's what i wanted to do and i wanted to them to have that but also like my internal feelings was like man like i want to hang out like with the three of us like we have such limited or you know i wanted to hang out with sam because we really only i was used to having two days a week from him so to get that to cut down to like one day a week felt like a big loss i guess and i did find some comfort in the books and other podcasts i was listening to about the point where it's like you know 
your partner's time is their time. And when you're monogamous, they probably chose to spend a lot of it with you. But like, you're not necessarily like entitled to those things. And I think there's also like, there's a sliding scale where it's like, yeah, like, yes, you, your partner should spend some time with you. Like if you, you know, for most relationships, like it's not saying that like you're, you shouldn't expect time from your partner, but the fact that like, you know, you're, when you open up, you're probably going to get less time with them because they're seeing other people, which like, you know, is just a fact. So I think, so they wanted to spend more individual time together. And that was really hard for me, I think, because I was seeing Cam wanting to spend like individual date time with Sam, and I totally didn't intend for their names to rhyme, by the way, but it's just <laughs> that's what we're going with at this point. Um, it's all good. Yeah. And um, I perceived that, you know, Cam didn't want to spend like as much time with me. And so I was feeling kind of like that rejection, I guess. And so, or I at least perceived it as rejection. I don't think it was ever intended to be that way because, you know, like, yeah, Cam and I, like, we saw each other in class, we saw each other in school. Sam was only here once or twice a week. It would make sense that, you know, they would want to get to know Sam better individually. But at the time for me, it felt like, oh, you guys just like want to hang out together or like you don't want me to be there. And so that was really hard for me for a while. Um, And I think I was also, I also, I also didn't have the best communication. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the books talk about like, you know, here's how to do nonviolent communication. Here's how to communicate your needs and wants. But I think I, at the time, had learned just like knowing what I wanted, I guess. Um, so that's like the first half of communication, I guess, is just like figuring out like what are my needs and wants. So I, I wasn't great at figuring those out. And I also wasn't great at communicating to Cam what those actually were. Um, and I think because um, I knew because I knew about our kind of shared history of like not always having like the best mental health, um, I felt like I couldn't really tell them about certain things that I thought might upset them, which like looking back in hindsight, like that wasn't healthy for anybody. Like that was, that was a really bad move on my part because I was just, I was trying to do things that I thought they would like. And I think after we talked about it kind of um, after things ended, which I'll get into a minute, like they were also kind of trying to do things that they thought I wanted to hear. And so we were both kind of, um, and just like not really being true to ourselves in the situation and trying to be a people pleaser, but ended up just making things worse for everybody. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That's tough when you're, you're both trying to, I don't know, appease maybe the other person or Mm -hmm. you're, you're trying to do what's best and it ends up hurting them in the long Mm -hmm. run. That's really hard and, and frustrating. Yeah it's extremely difficult and like how do you <laughs> it's it's a learning experience i guess like mm-hmm. it's, it's hard i don't know you you, you want to do different you're like can i just go back and try that again <laughs> yeah uh yeah so we did things together for probably like a month or so and then uh i kind of sat down with both of them i was like hey y'all like i still like i love both of you in different ways and um i still love camera to the day where we have done a lot of you know repair and we're good we're good friends again now but like i don't love them in like a romantic way but i just you know things weren't really working and i was like i'm just gonna like take a step back you know i'm gonna continue being with sam obviously um but so yeah so i took a step back from that and then they continued seeing each other for a while and that was also a little bit hard i guess because i was like damn like i couldn't make things work but like sam could um, but again, like just making like not super healthy comparisons, um, which I have done a lot of work on and I think I've come a long way on that. But yeah, I guess it was, it was also that sense of, I think 
in polyamory, sometimes there can be kind of the jealousy of like, oh, like my partner has a date tonight and I don't like, even if that's like not really like what you want at the time, it's just that sometimes you get that feeling of like, uh, like I could be having these things too, but like, you know, it's, it's fine <laughs> to have different things going on. Um, and then the, so that was about like February, 2020. And then we all know what happened in March, 2020. Um, <laughs> yes. So at that point I, um, I moved in with Sam and it was definitely, it was at that point, like I didn't know because all my classes were moved to Zoom and I had an off-campus apartment with my roommates at that point, but I just, I didn't want to be on college because I just knew like just seeing people like partying and being like terrible, like I just couldn't handle that. And at first actually, um, yeah, so I moved back with, I moved in with Sam in about in March and if originally it was supposed to just be like a spring break thing like you know they said that we're going to be gone for an extra week after we really don't know how long this is going to last so I kind of just you know I took Pebble and I took like a suitcase of, of spring breaks worth of clothes and stuff and then so we moved in with him and I had I'd stay with him during breaks and stuff before so I lived and um, I'd spent like a lot of nights with him so it wasn't really like a new experience living together I guess at that point but this was the first time we had lived together for more than a couple of weeks. Um, and I was doing all my classes online. And he he actually was still working because he works for a pretty prominent university. He works in their um, tech services department, like their IT office. And so when Roy Cooper said, like, you know, only essential workers have to work, everyone else stay home. He's like, cool, I guess I'm staying home. And his office was like, Actually, all the other IT people are going to be working remotely, but your team of six people are still going to need to come in person and work in the hospitals every day um, because they there's actually a separate hospital because there's like there's a hospital that's associated with the university mm-hmm. and they have a separate hospital IT team. But for some reason, his team works on all the phones in the hospital. So he was told that he'd have to still come in for this. And so I was like, oh, my God, like so my partner is like having to work in this potentially dangerous environment and. I'm living with him like that's kind of a lot of stress like I because I, I didn't think like neither of us have the health conditions that put us at super high risk from for COVID at least from what we knew at the time because like at the time in March it was the message was like if you're young you're probably going to be fine unless you're like diabet- diabetic or obese um, or like immunocompromised and we were like cool we're like neither of those things but then as we know now, it can really, you know, maybe not, it, it can kill people our age. And um, even if it doesn't kill them, it can still leave them with a lot of like really terrible side effects. <laughs> like I know some people who've got it and like haven't got their taste of smell back in like eight months. And like, they don't know if that's ever coming back. I'm like, I, I would prefer not to get this disease. So after living with him for a month or two, and also, th- so that plus the combination of living together in an 800 square foot apartment that had like two windows in it, that was that was pretty stressful. So I decided to move back in with my parents because they have a very large house and more access to like outdoor walking paths and stuff versus like at his apartment place, I could walk around like the parking lot and that was pretty much it. So I decided to move back in with my parents and I actually was able to successfully like, you know, self-quarantine for two weeks because they're lucky enough where they actually have like a separate floor that I could stay on and like a separate kitchen that I could use. So I, you know, I did the traditional, like, you know, stay away from people for like two weeks, which was also really hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. Hard. Especially when you go from like, you know, living with a partner every day to just being like completely by yourself for two weeks. It's like, man, this sucks. Yeah. Um, 
So that was in about that was in about May. And at the time I intended to stay there until after July because I was also doing um, my research project or my college had a program that was like a summer research um, intensive. And in the past, like pre-COVID, it was a thing where, you know, you're on campus for a few months and you're like working with your advisor and you're like doing the science um, every day. Mine was like a qualitative experiment or research thing, whereas actually um, I was doing research on the experience of previously incarcerated transmasculine people because my first year of college, I did a pretty big project about the experience of trans women in prison, which is they're generally treated really terrible. They're generally put into men's prisons and sexually assaulted and have really terrible outcomes. Um, and I really couldn't find that many stories about transmasculine people. And I was like, well, I can't imagine them putting like men with beards into like a women's prison. But I also imagine if you're like a man who has a vagina in a men's prison, you're probably very likely to get sexually assaulted. So um, I ended up doing some qualitative studies or, and I, I got six people to talk to me. Um, and so I'm still, still working on that paper now, but so that was what my research is basically about was about, um, you know, what happens to trans men when they go to prison. So yeah, hopefully I'll have a paper published sometime this summer. That's my goal for this summer. It was my goal for last summer too, but we're still kind of in this thing. So now it's my goal for this summer. Um, <laughs> and so I was originally, my plans were to, you know, kind of be, in, um, be at my college, like for most of the summer doing that. So I was like, I'll just stay at my parents' house and do that. And I'll move back in with Sam after August, or hopefully this thing will end before then. And so actually at the time, and at that point, I actually, so I was still, I was still in contact with Cam, like as a friend at that point, because we, we kind of decided like, you know, Hey, like this, like romance and sex thing isn't working, but we did still care deeply about each other. It's like, we, you know, we had like kind of like a breakup, but it was, it was never like a whole messy thing. Like it was a very amicable um, like, hey, like, let's like just, you know, go back to being friends and try to work on our communication in general and stuff. And so at that point, I knew they were living with their parents who were like, pretty transphobic and like moderately homophobic and who just like, were really like not great for them in general. Um, so I suggested that they move in with, or I, I asked Sam if he had considered like inviting Cam to come live with him because I knew they were in like a really like not great housing situation. He's like, I don't really thought about that. Um, but he invited Cam to come stay with him. And so they ended up living together at his apartment for like a couple months. Yeah, so they did that. And that was like fine because I wasn't there anyways. And I was like, you know, just glad that um, Cam could be in a li better living situation. And like um, they were more okay with like the potential risks of living with Sam at that time. And I, I knew like I, I knew Sam, like I trusted him and I knew he was wearing his mask inside all the time. But it's just hard to know, you know, working in a hospital is like, one of the more high risk environments you can be in <laughs> during this thing. And I knew at one point he did have to like, actually he didn't, which I was, I was really mad about this at the time because he didn't have to go into a COVID patient's room, but they sent him into one anyways. Cause they were like, Oh, this like phone needs fixing. But the phone was like actually like outside of the room. Um, so yeah, but he was fine. Um, but yeah, so they were living together for a couple months and this was definitely one of my probably like biggest polyamory regret slash slip ups was this was I think it was in probably like June at this time where I expressed to Sam like hey I know I originally said I was going to stay here till August but like I really miss you and at this point I feel you know we know a little bit more about how the virus works and I feel that since you're wearing a mask and since you like I knew he worked with coworkers, but like 
it was a pretty small team and they work in like a pretty large warehouse. And he'd actually had a coworker who came into contact with somebody who was COVID positive at some point. And then he and I ended up getting tested. This was back when the test was like the big, like the really invasive nasal thing. And that sucked. But um, we were both negative from that. And his coworker who had like a lot more contact with the positive person um, also ended up testing negative. So at that point I was like, okay, like I think, you know, there's still, there's still some risk, but it's a lot lower of a risk than I was initially like worried about to the point where, you know, like life's all about like balanced risk. And I knew that by living with him, I was assuming more risk than I was with living with my parents, but that was kind of less than like the other mental health effects of being separated for a long time. So I expressed to Sam like, Hey, I'm, I'm considering possibly moving back in with you sooner than I had thought like just want to put that on the back burner like just want to put that out there um and then i think like i probably should have told him like but like don't kick cam out over this like i'm gonna you know i'm gonna talk to i want to talk to them too and just like see how they're you know how they're doing if they're you know thinking about maybe like how long they want to live there and stuff like that but then he so but i did not do that and he ended up telling cam like hey if jacob wants to come back i'm gonna ask you to leave and that uh, I, it you know, it just at the time I was like in that. So as you can probably imagine, Cam didn't appreciate hearing that as most people wouldn't. And I was, they were upset and I was upset about that because like, that wasn't my intention. Like I super was not asking Sam like to, you know, kick Cam out. Like I didn't want Cam to feel kicked out. I would have stayed at my parents through August if they were like, yeah, I'm going to stay here through July. Like we're doing really well. Um, but that's what happened. And so Cam moved out and we kind of had like a little rift between us for a bit. And it just felt bad because like, it was something, it was like, I think it was, it was a combination of miscommunication, but also like Sam probably shouldn't have said that. Um, like just, just to be clear, I'm going to ask. So thank you for sharing all of that. Um, so we're, while this was all happening, we're Cam and Sam, when they were living together, were they still in a relationship with each other? Um, I think so. I, they were never in like a romantic relationship, or they never like defined it as like a romantic relationship. Yeah. I think they were much more like you know we'll play Mario Kart together and like make dinner and stuff yeah. and like occasionally have sex. But like yeah, like they were in like uh like more than just like a strictly like platonic relationship at that point, I guess. Which like I was fine with that I knew about and stuff. So yeah, okay. It was but, their it was their definition of whatever that that yeah. was. But I can mm-hmm. see how like that had previously been triggering for you and then like moving through this and then have this happen and then yeah, a lot of mm-hmm. guilt there because you're like I that wasn't my intention. But so yeah I guess moving forward, um mm-hmm. what what I guess where did things go? yeah so from there i think we uh i did end up trying to i did end up talking more with cam about it and i was like hey like i'm just like super sorry about that like i legitimately would have stayed there through august if you were having a good time like that super wasn't my intention and i'm really sorry that like that was construed in that way and i think it was like but it's there's only really so much repair you can do for that because like even though i like even though, so they were, they were, I think they were less upset after we talked about it because they now knew that I was never trying to say like, hey, like, you know, hey, Sam, like, kick came out so I can do this. But they still had the knowledge now that Sam would pick me over them, I guess, or that, you know, Sam would say like, hey, like, I might need you to move out if Jacob wants to come back and live with me. So it's kind of like, that's like a bag you can't, or like a, 
it's a box you can't like shut again, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, it's already out there. Yeah, so they took a little bit of a break, and I think they saw each other a couple more times, and um, we did hang out like once or twice after. Um, and this was Cam actually went to the point of like you know self quarantining for two weeks after seeing other people because you know in order to hang out with us because that was kind of like my boundary at that time was like hey like I I because I, I really didn't you know after I moved out with my parents like I don't think I. I didn't get within six feet of them again until like after we were vaccinated in like April. <laughs> so like I took that boundary pretty seriously and um, I didn't want to, I guess it was, it ended up being more of like a rule, I guess, than it would have been in pre COVID times because like the implication there was also that like, you know, uh, Cam and Sam couldn't really hang out without Cam self quarantining either because like my boundary was that like, I would have to move out if Sam wanted to see them and like Sam didn't want me to move out, you know? So like it was more of a thing than in, cause like if, if COVID wasn't a thing, like, you know, they definitely could have negotiated like their own, like, you know, um, levels of comfort, but because of it's like a transmissible disease, like, you know, Sam and I had to find, you know, the common ground of, you know, what are we comfortable with while living together? So, you know, Cam was also kind of subject to that, I guess. Um, but yeah, we, we ended up hanging out a little bit over the summer, but yeah, I really didn't see that many people while all this was going on. <laughs> um, so yeah. And so we, the, the, and then, um, I think it was maybe like July, 2020 or something. Cam ended up starting to date Ryan and so they wanted to be monogamous with them. So Cam and Sam stopped, you know, they, they're still like, they just kind of like went back to being friends and like, we still, you know, have like a group chat. We're all sending each other memes and we, you know, did hang out as a group recently and that was fun and stuff, but they kind of ended their, um, like sexual relationship. And it was, we were basically just kind of, you know, thrust back into monogamy for a while. And it was actually, it was, it was kind of nice, I think, because it really gave me some time to like reflect on like my values and what I wanted, I think. Um, and also like, uh, like it gave me plenty of time to think about a lot of things, <laughs> but to also think about, you know, how things didn't work out with me and Cam and, you know, thinking more about my, you know, kind of like friend jealousy I had both experienced with that and also like friend jealousy I experienced more um, when Sam and Jamie were doing things. And I think that and knowing what I know now, I think I would have acted differently in both those circumstances. But I think that I also like had to have those experiences in order to learn that thing, those things. So like, I don't think that, so I think if you like, you know, rewound the tape and like put me back there without much different knowledge, like I don't think I would have really done that i don't think i would have acted that differently so i'm i'm glad that i had those experiences and then yeah so then we i think at different points i you know got back on tinder and like sam totally knew about this one was cool is it um and i was talking to, like a couple people but it was really hard during like you know the quarantine months because there are people you would talk to but then be like well we can't really meet up or like do much um so like we can talk but that's about it. So those, and those kind of all just like fizzled out. Cause I think, you know, everybody had a lot of time, but I think we underestimated like how emotionally draining it was to just, you know, kind of worry about potentially dying like all the time. <laughs> and right? you know, just like going yes. to the grocery store is like really stressful. And um, seeing friends, even from a distance, was like pretty stressful. And so I was, I was still doing, and I was still doing online college and Zoom college was not the most fun. Um, 
I was doing two classes during the fall, and even two classes just felt like a lot. And then this most recent spring semester, I ended up doing my um, uh, internship for my um, major, and I originally pre-COVID, I was planning on because there's it's it's called bl- block semester when you do like your internship and then take three classes that are related to your internship. And that's like one of like, you know, the core things of my major. And so pre-COVID, I was planning on doing that fall 2020 and then graduating early in December uh, because I had a lot of credits coming from high school. But then during COVID, I was like, or I I had to make the decision in um, August or it might have been in like May 2020, actually, like of what classes to register for for in the fall. And so based on the information I had in May 2020, I was like, well, I'm sure things will be fine by the spring, so I'll just I'll do my internship then, so I can do it in person, um, and have things be more normal. And so I'll do like a couple filler classes in the fall, and so that's what I did. And then you know things were not normal by the spring, but I did a virtual internship, which was not as exciting, but like I got my credits <laughs> and got my degree, so that we're point, able to graduate, right? <laughs> yeah. So now. Mm-hmm. You said, you know, you've been on Tinder a little bit over, over, you know, the last many months, but like, where, where are you and Sam in exploring the monogamy at the moment? Yeah. So, um, actually, so in January of 2021, I had been living with Sam for like almost a whole year now and we were still in his small apartment and I was like, I need to get out of here. Like his lease ended in like March, 2021, but I was like, I can't stay here like any longer. So we actually, um got to looking for places together and we found this really awesome like 2,000 square foot townhouse that was like five minutes from where we currently lived um so we ended up getting this place and it's really awesome that's where I am now and you can see I have natural light coming in and uh, there's it's so much better so moving in together or or, like for real like having a place that was like both equally ours because like you know I had all my stuff at Sam's apartment but it was really like you know his apartment I was kind of just like I felt more like a guest there, um, but now this is like our place. So that was really nice to have a place that, you know, was like, we can, you know, this is like our place and we can, you know, decorate it together and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think in like, probably in like February or so, I was like, things are, you know, getting better. The vaccines have been coming out for a while. Uh, I still wasn't on the list for quite a while, but um, Sam had actually gotten his like first shot by then because he worked in like that healthcare setting, and he he really should have got vaccinated even earlier than he did. But after emailing a couple of higher ups, they were like, "Yeah, we should vaccinate these like six people who are who have been working in the hospital every day um, since this thing started." So he was getting vaccinated, and I was feeling more optimistic about like you know. I probably can't meet people for a while, but it'll be like, you know, a month or two versus like, who knows how long this is going to go on for. Um, So I got back on Tinder and talked with a law student for a while called uh, Lena. And we talked for a while and she also was um, polyamorous and she had like a boyfriend who she, you know, was recently proposing to and stuff. Um, But then her um, grandfather got really sick and that was really hard for her. And so she kind of like, not like fully ghosted, but like we, you know, we had plans to meet up and stuff and we're getting along well. But then I think she was just like not really in the place to have a relationship, which was understandable. So I was like, whatever. And then um, I tried again in late March because at that point I, after I got, I um, actually was able to get my vaccine earlier than I was expecting because I was called in to help um, guest teach youth martial arts was something I, I did in high school and hadn't done in a while. But um, 
one of my family friends who owns a school nearby was like, hey, I'm going to need somebody to cover for me for two weeks. This is like, you know, essential child care. Like, wasn't exactly like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But it was like, hey, like, I need somebody to run my business for two days. And also, like, you can, like, get vaccinated a little bit earlier. So I was like, sure. Um, so after I got my second shot, I was like, you know, this, like, yeah, the things are looking, you know, pretty reasonable now. Um, I'll get back out there. Um, and so I got back on Tinder and was um, trying more actively, I guess, to meet people versus the last time was when I was just like, you know, I'll swipe around, like, just see, like, who's out there. But this time I was looking more. And I ended up matching with um, Ray, who is now my boyfriend, um, <laughs> which is, that's going really well. But yes, yeah, so we matched on Tinder and we were talking for a while. So we, we first, we had our first date. We like got boba and like sat outside, like on the lawn. Um, and that went well. And then within a couple of weeks, he had been fully vaccinated. So then we were able to actually like hang out for real. And that was really nice after a year of just like seeing so few people. It was just really nice to be able to just like hang out with somebody inside and be like, hey, I'm not going to kill you or myself. So like, that's neat. Right. <laughs> it's the little things. <laughs> yeah. So it was, <laughs> yeah. It was interesting, though, because like at that point, like, you know, in theory, like Sam and I had been non-monogamous for like over a year at that point which means like we weren't like we weren't newbies to like the concepts or like you know the questions you ask about your relationship or your partner when like you know you first express those things but it had, it had been a while like we were basically like you know functionally monogamous for a year because of the pandemic so there's a little bit of getting back to like you know and we'd also grown as people so and i think um i think living together every day versus you know spending like weekends together was also like since the last time we had tried non-monogamy that was a big shift um and i think that you know like now spending one or two weekend days with somebody else is just like yeah it's whatever versus like hey that's like all our time together for two weeks yeah so i started dating ray and it was his first experience with polyamory and like i you know like i was saying earlier that i see my tinders you can you know put things about in your profile that like you know might be deal breakers for some people and it's like no hard feelings but like just putting it out, out there and i think at my i think in my profile i wrote like polyamorous and comma not looking for a third because unicorn hunting is like a really big problem on tinder you know ask any questions if you want to or whatever yeah so ray and i started seeing each other and i was kind of like you know do you have any questions about anything he's like i don't know like you, you know i'm really enjoying spending time with you um and I think after a few dates, he came over to our place and he met Sam because, you know, Sam lives here. Um, and I think we got like brunch or something. And it was, you know, very like amiable, amicable, like, you know, kind of like traditional like kitchen table polyamory, I guess. But it was um, when we hang out, we tend to hang out here because, you know, we I have like a really nice townhouse and Ray has like grad student housing with like four other roommates <laughs> um so we've been trying to you know find out the balance of um making sure that like ray and i get enough time but also that like you know sam doesn't feel like kicked out of his own space because i don't want to be like you know you can't be in the living room when we're watching tv but he's you know he's happy to give us space and i think it's um it's helpful because we have like you know upstairs and a downstairs and right now i'm i'm upstairs and, like our computer stuff is up here so we can kind of like take turns, like giving each other space and stuff. And as you can see, we actually recently added a bed up here. But so it's nice to have an extra bed up here because now uh, we were like, you know, talking about potential sleepover stuff that, you know, nobody has to be like on the couch or anything like that. Um, and I think we've talked about potentially like switching between having either me or Sam like downstairs in our bedroom or having 
the like person who's sleeping by themselves be up here and the people who are like sleeping together be downstairs like the big king bed which is kind of nice so for now and so ray and i've been together for a couple months now and he's come over for a couple sleepovers here so uh ray and i slept like in the king bed and sam has slept up here and i've kind of been like you know like are you sure you're okay with this but he's like yeah i'm fine and i just one thing i've also been working on in my communication is that um you know trusting what other people say you know trusting they're being truthful in their responses to me um because i think that's like more of an anxiety thing and like kind of a people pleaser thing is like like you know are you, are you just saying that you're okay with this because you want me to be happy because that's something i might potentially do or have done in the past um <laughs> right so but now i'm like okay you know if you if you had a problem with it i trust that you would tell me and we would like you know nego- renegotiate things and so things have been going pretty well and yeah wow I think we got the whole story. <laughs> no, thank you for walking us through all of that. Yeah. Um, and now, uh, oh, just out of curiosity, like, mm-hmm. is Sam dating too? Yeah. So he's gotten, um, he decided to get on Tinder after Ray and I have been seeing each other for a couple weeks. And it was, it was kind of fun to like, you know, get back on, because we, we, he hadn't used Tinder since like we met and stuff. So it was. I was kind of like explaining like how the app works now. It's not that different, but there's like a couple different features or whatever. And just like, it was kind of fun, like, you know, scrolling through people and just being like, oh, that bio is so cringe or like, you know, like we weren't like looking for like people together, but it was just kind of fun to just recreationally tinned, you know, like with your friends or whatever. Um, I said tinned is a verb. That was a joke. Nobody says that. Um, but he's not really like actively like, you know, going out on like lots of dates or whatever. So he he hasn't had a date with anybody in a pretty long time. Um, but I mean, if he, if he wanted to, he could. Um, but I think he's, I I don't want to say like picky, but I think that he, I think him and I fall in the category of like, we're not going to go on a date with somebody unless we're like actually like pretty interested in them. And like some people I think, you know, go on dates more as like a fun thing, which is, you know, that's fine. Like um, I totally support people doing that. But for him and for me, it's just like, um, you know, do I want to spend like time and money talking with this person who I don't think I actually had that much in common with just like on the, you know, the off chance we'll actually get along well. So yeah. So he's theoretically dating again, but like, not really, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, that makes yeah. sense. I think that, uh, uh, yeah, th- thank you for sharing all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, you know, we ask a lot of uh, follow-up questions, but I feel like you wove so many of our questions into your yeah, story. Yeah, I'm definitely a big, I'm a, I'm, yeah, my ADD comes out when I talk on stuff because it just kind of all. No, so, it's perfect. No, it's fun good. editing later. <laughs> oh, no, it was perfect. And I think, yeah, to Emma's point, like, we've gotten a lot out of the story and you've like woven in little lessons and things mm-hmm. that you've picked up along the way. And I think that's super uh, helpful yeah. and fantastic. So yeah. thank you for, for doing yeah. that. It made our job easier. I know. Yeah. Exactly. And I, yeah. I did. Um, actually one thing I didn't, I know we're like a little bit over an hour now, no, but you're fine. Okay. Um, I know one of the things I mentioned in my like submission form is I want to talk a little bit about my experience as like, you know, a younger person being like, you know, openly polyamorous on dating apps and like with my friends and stuff and how that's gone because you know this podcast about normalizing non-monogamy and i feel Mm -hmm. like it's gotten more normalized um which i think is really cool um you know i think that you know having both having you know trans and polyamorous in my bio i was kind of expecting to get like a lot like fewer likes than i did um so I, i thought that was pretty cool there were 
a lot of people in my age bracket. I think my age setting was like 20 to 24 or something like that. Because even though I'm almost 22, just like dating people under 20 feels weird and dating people above like 25 feels like kind of weird also. Just for me personally, if you're date, if you're in an age gap relationship and it works for you, like great, more power to you. But yeah, so I was I was pleasantly surprised that a lot of people were um, at least, you know, it at least like wasn't a turnoff for them. <laughs> and to also match, I was surprised that, you know, there's other people in my age range who also had it in their bio. So like there are other people out there who are actively practicing, I guess. And I haven't been able to find that much like community, I guess, around here. I know there's like the Triangle Polyamory group and they had more like IRL meetups and stuff. And I noticed that people who were there tended to be like a little bit older, which is understandable because I think a lot of people who come to polyamory tend to come from like, you know, very established relationships from like a long time. And like, I'm sure that, you know, for me and Sam, like two years seems like not a long time, but you know, when you're like between 18 and 20, like those two years do seem like a long time um, proportionally of your life. Um, and so I was not really going to a lot of those meetups because people tend to be older and um, we turned 21 during 2020. So like, bars were just like you know out of the question like totally not i mean they were they were open unfortunately (laughs) um but like we were just you know super not going to that so and we still haven't really felt comfortable doing that even though we've both been fully vaccinated since like april but still just like some that that definitely feels like you know a higher risk setting um you know indoors um people not socially distancing because they're drunk um so haven't, so it's prior to that. Um, I feel like a lot of the you know polyamory things. I think there was probably more because potentially because there was more overlap with kink communities, which is also fine. I feel like a lot of events tended to be twenty one and up, which is like you know very understandable. Um, so before we were twenty one, those events weren't really that accessible to us, and now it hasn't really mattered because we're not really going to events again yet. Anyways, but all my uh. Pretty much all of my friends who I've told have been like pretty on board with it. And they're some of them have been a little not I wouldn't say like confused, but like they don't really like get it, but they're like, hey, you know what makes you happy? Um, I have had a few people be like, Oh, you know, like, are you and Sam doing okay? Like, did something happen? Like, or I think because and I did I did tell my parents actually, um, back in twenty nineteen when like Cam and Sam and I have been together for a little bit just because I, um, not because like I had to, but you know, I have, a, I have a really close relationship with my parents. And like I said earlier, they were super on board with me being queer and, you know, coming out of strands and stuff. And so I was like, you know, I, I just want to bring this up with you guys. And I think they were in the same boat of like, well, we don't really, we don't really get it. And like, maybe you'll get hurt, but like, you know, we want you to be happy. And so like, if this makes you happy. And I think my mom, um, I think she thought it was like, you know, a phase or like, we're going to grow out of it or whatever. And um, I was like, I was okay with that reaction. Cause you know, it was, it, it was a, I'd call it like a, a mostly positive reaction, I guess, because you know, they were still being supportive of us. And I'm like, you know, that's like definitely like a um, privilege that a lot of people don't have. Um, so with that, I was like, you know, that's fine. And I think that it was probably also on me that for a while that my mom thought that, you know, Sam and I were like potentially going to, break up or that this was gonna, like because that was a little bit of a frustrating assumption because I, she was like oh you know i had friends who did polyamory and that like caused their divorce and i'm like well i don't know your friend's relationship personally um but i'm gonna guess that that was not like the cause and effect like there might have been other factors involved but like i don't think that many relationships that 
I think if they had tried to stay monogamous, they probably also would have gotten divorced anyways. Right. <laughs> um, right. So, um, and like, I, you know, I knew myself and I knew Sam and I knew our relationship and I was um, very confident in our ability to, you know, navigate challenges together. But I knew that like, we were not opening up out of like a, you know, we have to still stay together, but we're not attracted to each other anymore. Like that was definitely like not our experience. And so I was like, okay, mom, like, okay, you know, whatever you say. <laughs> but I was just kind of like, you know, I, I kind of knew that we would prove her wrong, I guess. Um, and then we didn't end up talking about it too much more with my parents because like, you know, like I said, COVID and we weren't really doing anything with other people anyways. And I um, recently brought it up with them again because I wanted to tell them that that Ray and I were dating because even though, you know, we've been together for like three months now and it's like not super serious or anything like that. But I feel like, you know, in if I wasn't, you know, already with Sam and like we were dating monogamous and Ray and I were like monogamous, I feel like it'd be pretty normal to, you know, just like, you know, tell your parents what's going on in your life and who you're dating and stuff like that. So, um, and they were, again, they were kind of surprised because I was like, Hey, like I have some good news for you guys. So I'll come by and share in person. And they were kind of like, they kind of had no idea what I was going to tell them about, but I was like, yeah, I know I've mentioned this deal. I know I told y'all like, a year and a half ago that um, Sam and I are non-monogamous. want to let you know that I've been dating a new guy named Ray and it's been going really well. I hear a couple of things about him. Um, and they were kind of surprised, I think. Um, but they were again like, okay, if it makes you happy, like if you're sure. And I think they were pretty unsure. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. like, that's okay. I think that they were like, you know, we don't understand polyamory, but we support you. And like, we'll be here if things fall apart. I'm like, great to know you think that my relationships are destined to fail but that's but i know they're like not so that's okay i'm glad you support me um so they're they're trying i think um and i think they are they'll probably be more open to learning more about it i think they just don't know a lot um mm -hmm. which is a lot of people don't so that's fine right right mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think it sounds like they've been really really supportive mm -hmm. i mean like you said like they said they'd be there for you no matter what happens and i think mm -hmm. like there's not much more you can ask for at that point. Yeah, right. for sure, for sure. And it might take a little bit of time for them to like continue wrapping their mind around it all, mm -hmm. too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I mean, thank you for sharing everything you've shared with yeah. us. Um, it's been amazing hearing your story and hearing how like the the dating, the non monogamy dating scene is. It sounds like it's it's opening up for the younger generation mm -hmm. and like you know coming out of high school and i feel not, not like we're that much older but like mm -hmm. you know 10 years and when we were coming out of high school and college like it wasn't that prominent no mm -hmm. and no. so and and then like you said you layer on top of it being trans and everything else like trans and polyamorous and mm -hmm. everything and so it's like you have found success and I think yeah. that's really fantastic to hear and we're happy. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought up that point about like the age too, because, and mm -hmm. the societal, I guess, acceptance. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's really important to get out there and cause that's what, yeah. So we're all trying to do mm -hmm. normalize this. So yeah. Um, yeah. Thank and you I, for speaking to that. Yeah, I like, and I haven't had anybody who I've said, like, you know, uh, all my friends I've told, like, they've all known what polyamorous meant, you know, which I think is um, right. definitely an improvement from the last 10 years. And, like, I don't, I live in, like, a pretty, like, urban area, but, like, definitely not, like, a big city by any means. Like, it's not like, you know, I'm out in, like, L.A. or New York or anything like that. So, and, like, I'm, 
I know we uh, we call our pocket North Carolina. Like, it's like the South, but, like, it's not, like, really the South. But, like, or at least where I live, it's not really. Um, but I'm definitely have have continued to be um, pleasantly surprised by how well I've been received here in all my various identities. So, yeah. yeah. Love it. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think that is a great place to end. And thank you so much for your time and your story and everything today. It was wonderful to talk to you and um, we wish you the best and hopefully, uh, you know, we'd love to hear an update soon too. Yeah. Um, so have a wonderful rest of your day unless at, I'm, I feel like I'm interrupting you. No, no, no. Okay. We'll have a wonderful rest of your day and thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we're back. You know, you don't do that with me anymore. What? And we're back. Well, all right, let's do it. And, and we're, we're back. back. Nailed it. Crushed it. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Jacob, for reaching out to us and coming on the show, sharing your story. We highly value everyone who reaches out to us and shares their story. So thank you again. Yeah, this show does not exist without people like Jacob and all of the other 190-ish guests that I we've know, had on we're the show. I know. close to 200. Woo-woo. Wow. Very close. Got excited there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you, Jacob. And thank you, listener, who is about to email us and want to come on the show. Yes. We are so touched that you're about to do that. Thank you. Please <laughs> pull over before you do that. Yeah, pull the car over. <laughs> go and email us. Say you want to come on the show. That would be awesome. Again, just go to our website, normalizingnomenogamy.com. There's links in your podcast player. And while you're there, you can also sign up for the amazing Patreon community. You can get tested for STIs. And you can do any other thing. You can get ice cream. It's a pretty versatile. Through our, through our website, we're now a, selling ice cream? It's a pretty versatile <laughs> website. Okay. Well, this is a new feature that I was not aware of. <laughs> and let's see. Next week, we have a super awesome interview with Sonia and Gabriel. Uh, they are, well, he is uh, producing and directing a new uh, animated educational series on kink that is about to start crowdfunding and we have seen the trailer the trailer comes out next week as part of the crowdfunding campaign campaign it is kick ass yes the interview with sony and gabriel is kick ass we are so excited and we will see everybody in a week yes come back listen in one week and we will see you then bye everyone thanks for listening